Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. gospel was spreading out into these new areas and the Jews were hearing the gospel and the pagans were hearing the gospel and there might be one spouse that would hear and come to faith in the gospel and yet the other one not and they might come out of a Jewish background and one still remains a devout Jew and now the other one's a Christian what do you do about that situation a couple that's totally pagan totally away from the Lord now one is saved and the other one's not. What do you do about that situation? How do you handle that? How do you handle that today when you have one believing and one unbelieving? In 1 Peter chapter 3, the apostle points to Sarah, Abraham's wife, as a shining example of godly submission in marriage. Though Sarah was flawed just like the rest of us, God used her mightily. Sarah was able to submit to her husband even in very difficult circumstances because she trusted the Lord with the outcome. In today's message, Pastor David encourages wives to trust the Lord as Sarah did. As godly wives lean on Jesus, they can answer the biblical call to submission to their husbands because they know that God is faithful. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message, The Submitted Wife, from the book of 1 Peter chapter 3. I think what Peter is, again, bringing, it's that whole aspect of submission. Again, even submitting ourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. All of these ideas, all of these thoughts together. Remember the context of this whole section. The life of the believer is being submitted to the sovereign hand and the power of Almighty God. And if we have that with understanding, that the life of every believer submitted to the sovereign hand and power of God and with the understanding that God knows each one of our situations. He knows the governments that we're under. He knows the employers or the bosses that we're under. He knows, ladies, the husbands that you're under. Okay, now with all of that understood, with all the understanding of God's order and structure, we see this same idea, the same thought, even in Paul's writing. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, well, it begins in, in verse 22 where Paul says, wives submit to your own husbands. But I always like beginning actually in verse 21. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21, Paul writes, submitting to one another. The fact is is that we submit to one another in the fear of God. And then he begins, wives, submit to your own husbands. As to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. In the book of Colossians, Paul again says, wives, submit 
to your own husbands, for this is fitting in the Lord. But you need to remember, again, just as we saw in the, the life of Jesus, godly submission, ladies, is not about demoralization. It's not about degrading. It's not about being lorded over by another. That's not what God's direction and, and, and plan and purpose is. Dave Guzik, a commentator on the, on the Bible and, and a pastor, he writes, submission to authority can be totally consistent with equality in importance, dignity, and honor. Jesus was subject to both his earthly parents and to God the Father, but he was not lower than either one of them. Dr. Wayne Gruden, seminary professor, writes, the command to wives to be subject to their husbands should never be taken to imply inferior personhood or spirituality or lesser importance. So, Folks, I believe that we can safely say that as the kingdom is ran in this directed order and as God desires families of the kingdom to run in order and not in chaos, that there is a place of godly submission for each member within the kingdom. Within the family, God's designed and purposed that the woman should willingly be submitted to their husbands. It's a matter of structure. It's a matter of order. It's a matter of trust. Trust in God's sovereign hand. I trust God. I'm submitted to God, and I am in this position at this point in time. And so in my submission to God, I also submit to my husband. And here in this passage, Peter gives even an additional reason why wives need to be submitted for evangelism in the case of a non-believing husband. Peter here writes that wives likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. So, Peter declares that wives are to be submitted to husbands, but not just if the husband is a believer, but also in order to show a non-believing husband the reality of Christ through your life. Now, you may want to stop me right there and say, oh, David, but you don't know the situation that I'm under. You, you, you can't even begin to realize how difficult it is in my life, and I would have to agree with you. I, I don't know. I've never been married to an unbelieving husband. I, I, I understand that. So I, I, I do understand. But we have counseled many. My wife and I have counseled many through the years that have been in that situation. We've heard the tales. We've heard the real, the, the hard stories. And literally and truly, it breaks my heart that that situation is there. And yet even this doesn't take God by surprise. This isn't something that God suddenly you, you need. Hey, by the way, Lord, I, I read your word, but did you know my husband's not saved? It doesn't take God by surprise. That's why God says, live your life this way so that your unbelieving husband might see Christ in you. 
as I've looked at it and as I've studied it and as I've gone over it multiple times, I don't see anywhere there where it says that it'll be easy. But it's the right thing to do because of God's word. Now, please understand, I'm not saying that you need to endure a situation where your your life is endangered or where children's lives are endangered there there needs to be godly wisdom involved in in all of this but let's not go to the extremes let's not suddenly bounce to the exclusions let's look at what god's word says and then the general understanding of what we've got even paul speaks about being married to a non-believer and and remaining in that situation with the non-believer as long as that non-believing spouse will remain in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 beginning in verse 12 or chapter 7 beginning in verse 12 Paul says to the rest I but not not the Lord but I say if any brother has a wife who does not believe and she's willing to live with him let him not divorce her and a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he's willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. And then down in verse 16, he says, so how do you know, O wife, whether you'll save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? Now, he's not speaking about the fact that uh, a husband can actually save a wife or a wife can actually save a husband. But again, the, their lives being demonstrated that would open the hearts and the eyes of the non-believing spouse to the reality of Christ, that they'll see in your reaction and responses and in your overall life, the reality and the truth of an almighty God. That's why it's so important that above all things, that we have to be submitted to the sovereignty of God. Understanding and knowing the greatness, the might, and the majesty, and the power of who he is, and that he is ultimately in all things controlling his universe. Here in First Peter, Peter says we remain and you're, you're submitted in order that they, the unbelieving husband, without a word might be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Fear? Fear of what? Oh, fear of my husband? No, I don't believe that that's what he's saying. I believe, again, that what he's saying is that overall understanding, that, that righteous, that godly, that reverent fear of the almighty power of God. That I live in this understanding, and it's a fear, and we've shared this so many times, but I need to repeat it for you this morning. It's a fear of God that's not that kind of fear that he's going to whack me, he's going to smack me, he's going to do me damage, but it's that, that awfulness of God, full of awe and wonder and majesty. It's that same aspect that even Isaiah had. And when he had that vision and he stood right in the presence of Almighty God and he declared, oh, woe is me, I'm undone. Just that reverence of understanding that we live our lives in that aspect, in that way. If you, in that situation, continue to submit yourself to the lordship of Jesus 
and submit yourself to the leadership of that unbelieving husband. I believe that as you honor God by doing this, God will work and move in your life to enable you to be that solid witness, yes, even in the tough cases. See, in Peter's day, not too unlike our day, but particularly in Peter's day, as the gospel was spreading out into these new areas and the Jews were hearing the gospel and the pagans were hearing the gospel and there might be one spouse that would hear and come to faith in the gospel and yet the other one not. And they might come out of a Jewish background and one still remains a devout Jew and now the other one's a Christian. What do you do about that situation? A couple that's totally pagan, totally away from the Lord, now one is saved and the other one's not. What do you do about that situation? How do you handle that? How do you handle that today when you have one believing and one unbelieving? There's this confusion. Some might look and say, well, you know, we shouldn't be unequally yoked. Maybe I just need to, now that I'm a Christian, I need to divorce him. Well, I don't believe that that is, is what Peter is saying here at all. I believe this is exactly what Peter is saying. Just because you came to Christ doesn't mean you leave your unbelieving spouse. But neither do I believe that Peter is suggesting that missionary dating is acceptable. Okay. How many of you know what missionary dating is? There's, there's a few of missionary dating is I know that I'm a believer, and I know that he's not a believer. But if I marry him, I can make sure that he gets converted. And it goes the other way. Oh, I know that I'm a believer, and I know she's not a believer, but I really love her, and I know that if we get married, then she'll get converted. Beloved, God's not for missionary dating, okay? God's for mission work. Get him saved first then date, then get involved. But if you are involved or if you know of someone who is involved in a relationship where they are a believer and the other person of that relationship is a non-believer, I believe that the word is very, very clear that we should not be unequally yoked. And if you're not married and you're in that relationship, you need to realize today is probably just a warning call to you to break off that relationship. If you you're in a relationship with a non-believer, you as a child of God are placing yourself in a situation that you are going to subject yourself to years and years of heartache and sorrow because you're not of the same kingdom. How are you going to be able to walk together? How are you going to be able to see eye to eye together? How are you going to be able to plan for the purpose when you desire to serve the Lord and they have no idea what that's all about? Peter goes on to say that the real, true beauty of a believer is that inner beauty, that inner strength. Verse 3, he says, Don't let your adornment be merely outward, the arranging of hair, the wearing of gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Now, there's a lot of people that take verses like that. Don't 
uh, let your adornment be merely outward arranging of hair, wearing of gold, putting on fine apparel. There's, there's, there's a lot of people, even whole Christian denominations that take that verse and other verses similar to it. And suddenly they come out with the rule that says, ladies, don't wear any makeup. Ladies, you shouldn't be wearing jewelry of any kind. Ladies, never braid your hair. Well, personally, I don't believe that that at all is what Peter is speaking about here. And when man begins to think that way, what man is doing, he is returning to the very letter of the law rather than the intent of the law. What Peter and also Paul, as he writes about these things, what they're saying here is that the outward appearance is absolutely of no value if the inner person does not have that incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of the Lord. In other words, ladies, it's absolutely useless to spend time, energy, and money on the external if the internal is rotten. The inside needs to be taken care of. Primary importance. J. Vernon McGee. I love the teaching of the man now. He's, he's from last century. He's from teachings of really two generations ago, but his teaching continues on. And as a matter of fact, in, in the United States right now, J, Dr. J. Vernon McGee and his Through the Bible radio program is on 400 stations or so across the United States, soon to be 401 if we can get KVNG launched. But uh, again, just a really down-to-earth guy. He's got his doctorates in, in, in theology, very intelligent, but I love listening to just his straightforward teaching of the Word of God. Dr. McGee speaks about these verses, about not adorn, that your adornment wouldn't be merely outward, the arranging of the hair, the wearing of gold, or putting on fine apparel. Dr. McGee, now these are his words, okay? They're not mine. These are McGee's words, okay? I'm just quoting him. In his country kind of style and way, he says, Ladies, as the saying goes, if the barn needs painting, paint it. Now, now I think McGee would also agree that if the barn is rotting on the inside, there's no sense wasting time paint the outside. In that case, I think we'd all say with Peter, rather let it be that hidden person of the heart with that incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this matter, verse 5, in this matter, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid of any terror. I love that verse 6. It says, calling him Lord. Now, I love that verse, but... Not because of the idea I want my wife to call me Lord. I love that verse because I know the story of Abraham and Sarah. And then I still see in her life this idea of respect and honor to her husband. You've read the stories and we know the faithfulness of Sarah. Remember, twice, not not just once, but twice, 
Abraham tried to pass his wife Sarah off as his sister and literally gave her away for a king to bring Sarah into his harem in order to save his own hide. Fortunately, God protected Sarah in the midst of that. When she came back to Abraham, I'm sure there was some discussion afterwards, but uh, still, she submitted to Abraham in the midst of it. Because you see, Sarah wasn't a doormat either. And and you read her story, I believe that we see her as a, as a strong woman with her own mind and her own opinions. And yet she was faithful and she was submissive to Abraham. In her flesh, she tries to help God out in this plan of blessing her and Abraham with a son. She figures she will submit even to the point of allowing her handmaid to be the one to carry Abraham's son. The problem is that's the wrong idea. It's the wrong plan. And it's definitely not God's plan. But I do believe that it was coming from a woman who is submitted and committed to the success of her husband. Yet she just went about it the wrong way. I do believe a good question even at that point. Well, where was Abraham's leadership at that point in time? So we can't throw this all on Sarah either. I believe the idea came into Sarah's mind. It came from a woman who believed God. She just didn't know how he was going to do what he said he was going to do. I believe it came from a woman who is strong, a woman who is faithful even in a time of adversity. Even when placed in the harem of a foreign king, she was able to remain not afraid of any terror. What a great role model Sarah is for all women. Whether you have a believing husband or a non-believing husband or a believing husband that acts like a non-believing husband. We look at Sarah and we see a woman who remained faithful to the almighty power of our awesome God. Continued to allow that hidden person of her heart to be renewed daily by the presence and the power of Almighty God. She would be someone who not only submits to God, but by submitting to God, she was directly under that position of submitting to her husband's authority in her life. And then watch and wait patiently to see God do miraculous things that only he could do. It's an amazing work in time when we are willing. Say, God, in my flesh I struggle with this. God, you know the situation I'm in, whatever that situation might be. But God, I I read your word, and I don't want to change your word to fit my circumstances. I want my mindset, my understanding, my direction to be transformed by the power of your word. That's why we can read things like this and say, wow, that's really hard. But we, you know what? We have a God that's more powerful. We have a God who is more awesome. We have a God that we can trust wholly, completely, because he is faithful to do a work. And he's doing a work within us. But beloved, we also need to understand he's doing a much grander and greater work than just us. 
And we need to be submitted to that. Though we've come to the end of our time with you today on The Open Word, you don't have to wait to hear more from Pastor David Landry. In fact, Pastor David's here to tell you more. Thanks, Chris. The Open Word has an archive of previous messages ready to be listened to, downloaded, and shared at theopenword.com. Simply click on the teachings link at the top of the page. You can also take The Open Word with you as you go by subscribing to our podcasts. This can be done through our website or by searching for The Open Word on iTunes. By subscribing, you'll have sound biblical teachings with you anytime and anywhere. Thanks, Pastor David. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast as well. As soon as we post a new message from The Open Word, you'll receive a notification. This way, you'll never miss an update. While you're on our website, you can learn more about what we believe as a ministry, as well as find out ways to support us. One way is through prayer, something we're always grateful for. We need to make sure we're focusing first on Jesus, then on what we're creating. We want every edition of The Open Word to come from the Savior, not from us. Your prayers for us help us do this. Would you also pray for the listeners of The Open Word? Pray that hearts and ears would be open to Jesus and that the gospel will continue to spread throughout the earth. Thanks for praying, and thanks for tuning in today to The Open Word.